What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. And uh, we just, this week, Emily made us charge down and, and finish Pandemic Legacy. Um, so we decided it'd be a good time to do, I guess, quasi-review slash Spoiler talk about spoilers <laughs> yeah, about Pandemic Legacy, which we will do second half of the show. Um, of course, we're going to lead off the show doing what we normally do and talk you about some of the new experiences we've had gaming in the past week. Um, but of course, before we do that, just a quick word on where you can find us. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Tabletop for Two. Um, you can subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, or any podcasting app that you use. Um, yeah. Cool. So we've uh, we've been kind of going through a Uwe Rosenberg renaissance of sorts. Um, First couple games we tried his did not go well yeah, at all. Did not all. go well, but then we've played Patchwork, which we really liked. I and love then, Patchwork. It's like Tetris, the board game. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and what else? Uh, Lahav also we found last year that we also really enjoy. Another fantastic one. Uh, I feel like there's one more in there, too. I just can't remember what it was off the top of my head. But anyway, I don't know. We got Fields of Arl as a Christmas present, and it took us a few months, but we were finally uh, able to get this to the table. Uh, this is his uh, one to two player game that uh, I think is also sort of an autobiography of sorts uh, for him as well, where you play competing families uh, managing your property i guess your farm for lack of a better term i suppose over over four and a half years and and basically you have four workers each each half year and you send them out to do specific tasks um in general you're just collecting different types of resources um diking your fields so that you have more land accessible to you to develop that reminded me of takenoko Mm -hmm. a little bit a little bit um, you know, uh, what else are we doing? You're building vehicles, which you can then use to mm-hmm. basically you take build your... your stables so you can have your animals mm-hmm. and breed your animals. Yep. And, and the whole point is you can also use your vehicles to take your, some of your resources and your goods to town to upgrade them, mm-hmm. uh, into better versions, which can either get you victory points at the end of the game, or, um, they help you fulfill these, uh, demand tiles also that you can travel to different distant towns right. and, and get you victory points. Basically, there's a lot of ways to get victory it, points. It's a point salad. <laughs> I don't know if I, I I'd call it a point um point I don't even know what I would call it. It's not quite a point salad because you don't get points for everything that you I do. I felt like I got points for everything in that game. Well, it's it's definitely more high scoring than something like you know, an Agricola would be for sure. Um, but this one's also a little bit of a lengthier game. Um, took it a took couple us about hours to two play. Two hours, I think, our first playthrough. Yeah. But I mean, we were also stumbling, bumbling through. And we were because this it, this is a sandbox style game because you're literally like pretty much everything on the board. Is available to and you at you the beginning first, of the game. When you first look at the setup, it's so daunting. I looked at it and I was just like, "Whoa!" Oh yeah, for two. I, was, I looked for at him. I was like, "Whoa!" Game, <laughs> it it it. We have a pretty sizable gaming table, and it takes up the entire the entire dining room table essentially, yes. which is quite a feat for a game that only can support a maximum of two players with all the different tiles and stuff. Um, so th- we we enjoyed Fields of Arl. Yes. I I. I it's not going to supplant like Laha for us, I don't think. But I mean, it's it's very good in its own way. I I do think that this one has a tough barrier of entry though, just because of just the sheer amount of choices that you have available of to you. Everything, right? And like you, like literally our first game, like the first couple rounds, we were both like, well, I guess I'll I'll do this thing, and yeah. and go from there, and and that does kind of help you because it shapes your strategy a little bit, but uh, but still quite daunting to. To get this one to the table for the first time. Mm-hmm. What else did you uh, like, dislike about the game? Uh, 
Well, you know, like we play, we played. Uh, what did you call it? Agricola Light, mm-hmm. <laughs> the all creatures big and small. So I like the, you know, like where that one I felt like I had to micromanage so much. This one I don't have to micromanage as much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry about nine million different things, feeding my people, doing this, doing that. Did you have to feed in no. all creatures big and small? Yeah. Are you sure? I thought we did. I thought that was the one thing they took out of that game. I don't know. All all I know is there's a lot of games with micromanagement. This one, I thought by the looks of the board and when everything was set up, I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. Mm -hmm. But this one didn't have as much micromanaging, which was a plus for me because Mm -hmm. that kind of bogs me down a little bit. Well, I think what's helpful is that you have those traveling tiles of the different cities that require you to spend different types of goods essentially and then and, they let you cover up your track on the side to get right. points and i think that can help you as a roadmap plus there's also like when you first lay out your board you have a lot of things on the board that actually give you negative victory points if you don't handle them by the end uh-huh. of the game um so that kind of gives that kind of points in the right direction as well um it was a very fun game though uh like i said a very different it was a brain burner for me a little bit, a little bit. I th- I, I found it a little <laughs> it bit easier. It was just a lot to take in the first time. It really was. Right. It feels like a slow starter, and then I think it picks up a little bit more steam as it goes yeah. along. I for think sure. we can definitely knock at least a half an hour off next time. Hope so. So, but yeah, that's Fields of Arl. Um, recommend it if you're into the heavier fare for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, it's designed for one or two players, so can't go wrong with that. We did pick up uh, Caverna in a trade recently so that'll be the next one that we get to the table i'm curious to see how that'll compare to uh field that's tomorrow. a heavy box too oh i mean seven it can do up to seven players that's why that's crazy There's seven players with the resources in that game crazy components so yes that was a big one there yeah next on the list is one we just got it's called luchador this is a dice a dice rolling game a wrestling game the coolest thing about this is that there is an actual wrestling ring Yes, because we, we got the more recent edition. The first edition came with just a board that had a wrestling ring on No, this is a it. wrestling ring you actually construct. Yeah, like a 3D and it's cardboard awesome. ring. It even has ring and you, ropes. And you roll your dice in it. And if they fall out the side, you don't get to use them. Yeah. <laughs> so in the and and the game the gameplay in this is very simple. You each pick a wrestler. In um, case you guys don't know, we're still we're pretty big wrestling fans. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We, so <laughs> there, so there's what ten different luchadors in the game or something I, like that. I think so. And each of them have their own. So if you play the basic game, they're all pretty much the same. They're just aesthetically different. But there's also an advanced game that we'll dig into in a little bit here. But the gameplay is pretty simple. Um, you each have 21 hit points when you start the game, and on your turn you have four. Each have four wrestling dice. You roll them into the ring at the same time. Um, any dice that fall out of the ring, you can't use that round. But mm-hmm. the dice that are left, you kind of match them up. So you might get a hit. Um, but and, they might get a block or a dodge. Right. There's a hit. You can block. You can counter. You can try to pin your opponent, or you might just completely whiff. But yeah. if you roll a hit die and your opponent has a block or a counter. Um, then they can kind of cancel out your hit, or if it's a counter, they can actually hit you back, and it's like a reversal, basically. Mm-hmm. So once you both rolled and you line up the results with each other, you see how many hits each side has, and for each hit that you have, you roll the green hit dice, and that'll tell you a wrestling move that you execute on your opponent, and how many hit points that they will get. Right, how off. much damage it takes. So right. you know you have like small stuff like an elbow drop or or a, a or a drop kick that is only. 
one no, damage. No, the draw, I thought the drop kick was two. No, only for your one character that you had. Oh, okay. Which we'll get into. Okay. Um, or you might hit him with a chair, which is a two hit point, or you could put him through a table, which is three. Yeah. Or if you have two hits that get through on a turn, instead of rolling the green dice, you can roll the luchador die, which lets your wrestler attempt one of his a signature moves, move, right? Yeah. That you can hit your opponent with for it's massive damage. Awesome. But there's the a little bit of dice in this are fantastic. Yes, but there's a little bit of risk there as well because the Luchador die also has a couple fail sides and like a stun side too. You might actually hamper yourself for the next turn. Um basically you keep doing this. Uh eventually one of you will get into a the pin range where you can start think, pinning your I opponent. I think once you get down to like fourteen points, then you Yeah, you can start you can attempting pins. And right. basically if you roll a pin die at the end of the round, um you roll the pinning die. Um and if you roll a successful pin, then your opponent has to try to kick out. And they get three tries, yeah. just like in the just like in real wrestling. Yeah, they you have get to a three roll, count. Yeah, they roll certain number of blocks and counters. <laughs> um and if you successfully pin your opponent, you win, or if you knock their health down to zero, you win. Now, we mentioned there's an advanced game. We jumped right into the advanced game because the basic game seemed a little too simple. Uh, the advanced game just adds uh, strengths and weaknesses for each character that let them... And there's also a... Uh, I think they call it a killer combination, which if you can get the dice to do it, mm-hmm. uh, is like a knockout punch for your opponent. It's not a knockout punch. It's just a, it's you, you get to roll like a, a special combination of dice to... Like my one guy, I think I got damage. to... Do the lucha die and one of the yellow pin dies. Mm-hmm. So, so this this so this is a real light game. Um, it plays in about ten minutes. Honestly, we played two matches when we when we I played it the one time. Both terribly. You did, and I I knew Emily was enjoying herself because she was getting very angry. It's the weirdest thing. Like when I, when when she, we're trying a new game, if M gets pissed off that when she's not doing well, that means she likes it, which always weirds me out because I always feel like she doesn't like it because she's getting angry. <laughs> But apparently that's the key to success is to get her so invested that she gets angry. Look, if I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs and you can see my wheels turning and the steam coming out of my ears, then mm. you're good. Well, there you go. Um, so we like Loose Storm X and Wrestling Ice. Again, super light. Um, it's one Super, that, super fun. It oh, is. my God. It's one that we have to play multiple times when we play it, though. It's just getting out for one kinda game like, and setting it's up It's kind of like Clask. Yeah, very similar. Well, in that well, in that regard, and see, we're we're what we do is we usually do at least best out of three. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, come on, we can do one more." I was like, "You beat me twice in a row. We're not doing a third match." Well, they they even have um, these cardboard title belts that you can pass around as well. Oh, and the best thing, Brad was scouring the interwebs and found that someone had made some of the wrestler cards for some of our favorite WWE wrestlers. Past so, and present. So, so. I uh, printed those out, and we got to laminate them, and I can't wait to use them, too. Yep, very. <laughs> just add some flavor. And, and the strengths and weaknesses part of it, too, was, uh, was yeah. done pretty well. It's so, very cool. Yeah, Luchador wrestling dice, Mexican wrestling dice, solid game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even tag team rules if you want to play with more than two people as well. That's something that's an option, too. That's cool. Um, but yeah, a good light filler. Might be a little pricey for what it is, because it's um it's forty bucks I think it's hard it's not the easiest game to find either mm-hmm. um so eh, I mean if if you're if if you don't feel like paying forty dollars for a really light dice chucking game maybe you can pass on this one but if you're a wrestling fan we're suckers for dice chuckers yeah young kids probably like this one too honestly especially if they like wrestling that might be able to get them into this too so but it's a you know great two player experience um definitely worth checking out mm-hmm. so we um. 
we found ourselves in a Marvel's brain store uh, after we got classics. I had never heard of them before and found out that there's actually one at Towson Mall, which is pretty close to us. So we found ourselves out a couple weeks ago and just see what kind of other games they had there. Uh, one game that caught our eye that we picked up uh, is a really light um, stacking game called Tuggy, uh, which is sort of Jenga-esque in very in a very yeah. broad way. Basically you have this um this this pole this wooden There's a stand pole. with a metal pole. Oh it's a metal pole? I thought it was a wooden pole. No, it's a metal pole. You might be right. It's a wooden stand. Oh you are right actually. Wooden stand, metal pole. Mm-hmm. And then you have these little like recycled plastic pieces. Mm-hmm. They look like Pac-Man kinda a little bit because they have the little they have a divot in them so that you can stack them up on the um, pole, mm-hmm. and then they have the little strings that stick out of the back, right? And, then, and you roll a dice. Right <laughs> <laughs> what? Come on, I know how to do this. I one. know. Let's <laughs> say. <laughs> so on your turn, you roll a die, and the die has a different color. You have to pull a piece. There's a gray piece, and you have to pull a piece of that color dot on the die that's below the gray piece. You have to pull it out without making everything tumble off. If mm-hmm. anything comes out, then you kind of you're keep, stuck with it. Yeah, you, yeah, you're stuck with that till the end of the game. Yeah, if you get, I think it's six pieces in front of you, you lose that way as well. It's kind of, I, I guess it's kind of like, um, like uh, click clack lum, lumberjack in that way. I don't know. Well. I've never played. That I know you've never played it before, but it's that has a similar thing where you whack the tree with <gasps> the axe, and then any bark <sighs> that falls off, you have to like keep in front of you. But come if, on! But if you knock the wood slices off, then they. I want that. I've wanted it for a while, and that one's also not the easiest game to find in the entire world. Because then I can be Timber Joey. Yes, you could. Yes. So, no, but Tuggy, so tu- again, Tuggy's a real light um, two player. We actually game. ended up getting this on sale, too. Yeah. Which was cool. But it's, it's only like 25 bucks normally. Right. It's fun, though. Like It's it's a nice distractionary actually, filler. Well, and that's the thing. Like, we went into this store, and I think we ended up getting like a tabletop ping pong set where we can turn our dining room table into a ping pong table. Mm um, and there's actually another game that I was looking that they were sold out of um, called Straight Shooter. I think it's a dexterity game, and I really it's, want it. It's similar to a game called, um, uh, what's it called? Like Fast Pass or something like that. It's it's. So, th- there's another game out there that's similar to I it. I may be ordering in it because I just put my birthday money in the bank, right. so I might get on there and order that. Well, getting back to Tuggy, because <laughs> we're, we're tangenting. Um, or that's not the right word. Anyway, <laughs> really like game. I, and again, I'm, I, I enjoy Jenga. But I hate the setup that comes with Jenga. Like, it's a pain in the butt to set up. So, I, like, we found this. And didn't we find another stacking game that's uh, kind of similar? Oh, no, it's not a stacking game. The um, the Keep It Steady game, the Hobbit game that we oh, got, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. which is just trying to keep the um, the ring around the different Well, if you want sticks. something Jenga-esque also, Rhino Hero is Jenga-esque. Oh, that, yeah, you know what? You're right. That's that's very similar. So... It gets so. that same feel, but without the arduous setup time. So yeah, Tuggy's solid. Check it out. Um, maybe if you're ordering Class, which you absolutely should from oh Marvels, my God, then so much add fun. that on there as well. Uh, next on the list is uh, one we just picked up not too long ago, and that's mm-hmm. Stronghold. And I think this is the second edition, right? It is the second edition. And it was published by Stronghold Games. Yes, it was. <laughs> this is this is Ignacy Trevichek. I believe this was the first game that Portal Games ever came out with. Um, but it was the first edition was a little bit dated. Um, they so they made some updates and streamlined it a little bit and reprinted it. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Very tense game though. Um, oh my lord! You had you had some trouble early on. So Emily, we we played one game in this. Emily was, I was the, the invader, orcs. and I, I was the I was defender. the orcs, and Brad was you know, or as I put it, I said, uh, yeah, I'm I'm the orc army, and he's holding down Helm's Deep. He's mm. like, oh, that's a good way to put it. Basically, is this. <laughs> 
this this is an asymmetrical game where one player is defending a castle or a stronghold rather, and and the other one's trying to invade it. Um, what's cool with this one is that so the invading player each round um, has these order cards that they can do, and the order cards range from mustering troops to marching them to building different types of siege weapons mm-hmm. to. You know, getting magic spells that you can use, um, basically things that you can use to help break down the wall. And every turn, you go through these order cards one by one, and ex- and you have the option to execute the orders on them by spending resources or using orcs to build the different things. But the catch is that the more things that the invader player does, the more actions the defender player gets to do. Because every time you you build one of these items or spend one of these resources. You give the the defending player hourglasses, and that's what the defending player uses to build his defenses, which can be putting more units on the walls of the stronghold, um, putting like orc cauldrons up. That no, can, your your favorite was snipe sniping me. Yeah, you could you could use a marksman just to snipe somebody right off the wall. Um, you can train your your different heroes that you have. I did have a little trouble with this one at first, mm-hmm. um, but I, once we got about. I guess three or four turns in, I kind of, it kind of clicked. It's just, it's tough. Like, I'm sure it was tough when you're in too, because. I think think it was, honestly, I think it was a little bit easier being the defender in this one. Um, Just because it's, well, it's this weird give and take because, you know, it's everything you're doing is public. There's no, there's not a lot of hidden information in the game, the only thing that's hidden actually is the def- is the defender has these two special cards that they can use during the game to give them an immediate one time bonus, but it comes at the expense of hampering them for the rest of the game. Like I, like there's one card that I had that I didn't use, but I could have made my marksman fire an extra volley of shots mm-hmm. that round, but then they couldn't fire for the rest of the game if I had used that card Ooh. as well. So it's it, there, there's some give and take there, um, but I did find reacting easier as the defender than being proactive as the invader trying to keep them out and eventually like you're eventually as the invader you're trying to march your units down to these different wall sections that are on the stronghold and if you right. can breach one of them then the invader you win the, the defender just has to hold out for seven rounds without getting breached which is a little bit easier said than done emily did actually win this game i think it was round six round six that you finally got yeah. through because eventually because it the longer the game goes the easier it does become harder for the defender because your forces t- do kind of get spread a little thin. Yeah. Um, because the invader actually gets better over time. Well, and it sucks too because the defender has these cards where they can rebuild sections of the wall. So, like, I had this one turn where I blew up both pieces of his wall on the one thing. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get him next turn. And then here he comes, like, nope, sorry, here's another wall section. I'm like, ah, oh, you suck. There's some stuff in this game I really <laughs> like, though. Like, so as the, if you're the invader, when you build like a siege weapon, um, it comes with a hit deck that has two hits and four misses. But what's cool is that every time you miss, you with get that to remove weapon, the miss. you actually get to get take the miss card out of your deck, so your your the people firing the weapons get more accurate over time. And I had I had something. Did I have like a card or something? You say that lets you train. I them had up. something yeah. that I could just like shave the misses off the deck. So he was getting really mad because I kept getting hits every time. I well, was even, like, even when you had the full deck, you're still drawing <laughs> hits every time. It was crazy because you basically reshuffle the cards every time that you yeah. use it. So and that I'm was like, kind of nuts. Shuffle, shuffle, and then it's like, oh wait, hit. I'm like. I think I only had like one or two misses the whole game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and as the um as the stronghold player too, you have to balance, or as the invader, you have to balance because you you get to draw a certain number of troops every turn, but the only troops that you get to march in are the ones that you don't use to build 
different weapons and right. stuff so like you, that. And, and see, that was tough for me because sometimes there was something that I wanted to do, but I needed to get my troops up to the wall. Mm-hmm. And then I had to use those cubes, so I couldn't use them, you know, to build X, Y, and Z or do mm. this or do that. Yeah, and as the invader, too, um, there's – you don't use every card every game, so that's where your variety comes in is that you do – you will have different options available well, to you, like you as you go. I had how many different cards? Like, what? what is the initial – it's it was you always have I think it's eight or nine cards that and then you I had have like, in the card row. I think I had like six cards that I could swap out if I right, needed like to. Right, like a sideboard basically. And I only swapped out like one or two. Mm-hmm. I think throughout the whole game because the other ones just didn't seem That's that good, I yeah. that I needed them. But yeah, it's very cool because there's so many different things to do. Mm. Um, like the different siege weapons. There's a trebuchet. There was a. Was there a battering ram? I don't remember. There's a ballista that you could use. Oh, the ballista. That's what it was. Blowing people off the wall, basically. Yeah, I mean, so many cool. Oh, and the where's what was the other thing? I had one other thing that I could build. I don't even remember. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's very cool. Yeah, Stronghold Second Edition. Um, tough, tough game, but it it's it it left us wanting to play again, which is usually always a good sign, even for a game that took that was a good sign. (laughs) (laughs) You really got mad during that one, the first couple rounds. That was a that was a. Yeah, I was ready to throw something. <laughs> so next up for us, um, another one. We, we've talked about the Mystery Rummy series on the show before. Uh, it's it's one that we're quite fond of, especially Emily. Likes yes. them quite a bit. Love them. Uh, we picked up Mystery at the Rue Morgue, uh, which is the second, I believe, in the series, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, so the hook with this one, it's, it's Mystery Rummy. Um, with this one, at the beginning of the game, a couple of cards get tossed under the orangutan card which sits off to the side um, and those cards are effectively out of the game for all intents and purposes um, but as you go through each time you play a meld um, you have to look at the top card of the deck and then either put that card or the top card of the discard pile you have to under feed the, orangutan the orangutan as well right um, and essentially if somebody goes out the first time through the deck um, they'll get all the cards under the orangutan, which could help them because they could be extra cards to complete melds. They could be um, bonus scoring cards that might be able to be used as well, mm-hmm. um, which are very handy. Also, this one has each each um, color of meld has like a partner color. And if you can manage to play both colors, you actually get a bonus point score mm-hmm. at the end of the round as well. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like I said, other than that, it's still mystery rummy where you're you know trying to go out, trying to score as many points as possible, um, and you play to a certain number. Uh, but but another game in the series. So this one for me. So let's see. This is middle of the pack. It's right in the middle. So we've played we've played essentially five mystery rummy games. We've played we played the unofficial wider right, wider. <laughs> Um, and the other ones as well. I, if, if I had to rank them... Um, what is the only one we haven't done? We haven't done Jekyll and Hyde. Ah, that's the that's one that one. we don't okay. have. So if I had to rank them one to five, um, Wider would probably be number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack the Ripper would be two. Agree. Rumorg would be three. Mm-hmm. Um, four would probably be Alcatraz? I would put Alcatraz last. Would you? I don't like Al Capone as much as you do. I really? Don't I like yeah. Al Capone. Uh, and well, and this one, the reason why this one's in the middle is that they have a four-player partner rule. Like if you play with four players, this one it's you play in partners. And I feel like that that's one of the parts of the game that's kind of important. Mm-hmm. I think with two players, it doesn't work nearly as well because I'm pretty sure, and I I didn't read the rules on it, but I would imagine that if your partner plays like one of the colors for 
the the partner suit and you play the other one, mm-hmm. then you'll both get the bonus because you're playing as a team anyway. Also, side note, every one of these games has a normal size rule book except this, yeah, this one. Like it is the, the tiniest tiny rule book known to man. It's like, I it's swear. like a love letter size rule book, it is basically. Hilarious. So, and it's hilarious. But it's so wordy. Like You're sitting there like you look like a giant because you're like, holding this Brad tiny is, thing in your hands. Brad is <laughs> cracking me up because I'm sitting there. He's across the table with this tiny rule book and he's got big hands. And I'm just watching him in this tiny rule book and I was cracking up. Yes. So yeah, Room Ru- Org, um, again, if you're looking for a really solid two-player of this style of rummy game, Jack get wider for Jack the Ripper. I think those yep. will be- serve you a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, Room Org is good, but it works better if you, I feel like it would work better if you had more people. Kind of like a spades yeah. deal. Listen, this this one's just more little thing. I do like the... I do like the orangutan gimmick um, of taking cards out and getting like a bonus at the end of the round, mm-hmm. um, but that's that's the only redeeming quality for me as much. Again, I think there are other mystery army games that are a little bit better. Um, last on our list is one we actually just played this afternoon. It's called Burger Joint. This was a throw-in. We just we just did another math trade recently, and this was a throw-in that I got with The Cave, I think, if I'm not mistaken. That was the one I wanted, and then we also got Burger Joint and Techno Witches, which are two older games. Techno Witches. Yes, which we'll play some other I time. I looked at the art on the front of the box and was like, OMG. Seriously? You- what, what What was that? It's it's actually like a flight game. It's it's kind of similar to X Wing without the combat, if that makes sense. You can believe that. Okay. So that'll be for another episode. But for interesting Bur- for Burger Joint, um, this is an old an old two player game uh, that Rio Grande published in the states. Um, essentially, you're running one of you's running a burger chain company. Uh, one of you's running a pizza chain company. This one's only a little bit lighter than Food Chain Magnate, I say. Just a tad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Essentially, each round, um, a couple of resource cubes are going to get drawn out of a bag, and you're going to draft them, um, and that gives you the supply of cubes you can use, and you can use those cubes to build things. You can use it to build a burger joint. A diner. Can, a diner or, or a, a bistro. Yes. Or you can use it to publicize your burger joint, which allows you to steal cubes from your opponent and also gain notoriety, which is victory points. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you build certain buildings you get victory points and the first person to get the 12 victory points wins it's a pretty simple game um where it comes where the complexity comes in is that the diners uh basically give you priority over certain color cubes so if i have my red diner built and emily does not have hers built that anytime a red cube gets drawn I basically get first dibs at it before mm-hmm. Emily does. Um, and then the bistros, they're cool because they have different special abilities that you can use where you can trade um, cubes for specific color cubes. You get a random cube out of the bag every turn. Right, there's different bonus abilities. And we're like, um, there's one rule where you can trade three cubes to get a cube of one color. This uh, mm-hmm. One of the uh, bistros has you can trade two cubes for the cube you want, mm-hmm. which is so, nice. So Burger Joint, nice light game, but took a little longer it wore out as well for what it was yeah it definitely yeah. took a little long to play it takes a while to get going because you really have trouble doing stuff until you've opened a couple mm-hmm. diners because also the more diners and bistros that you open the more cubes you get to take each round mm-hmm. so and and obviously when you're getting cubes each round makes your building supplies a little bit more robust yeah but it does take a while to get to that point it's one of those ones that has a real slow ramp up so, like, once you get to, like, six or seven points, then all of a sudden you can score the rest of them super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this one took, like, a solid half hour, 40 minutes, which is much longer than a game that is this light should take. Like, I, if, if this game only took half the time, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah. So what what were your thoughts? I know you were excited to get, to get this one. I liked it a lot because, you know, 
I'm I'm all about you know little goofy stuff like that. But yeah, it just it took a little long for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't like the length, but I liked all the little. I liked how we kind of it was a little cutthroaty with the drafting and trying to bit, control yeah. the. You know what I mean. The publicity you were yeah, losing I, your I, mind about let, lets me steal cubes from you. Yeah, this guy over here was making me angry, stealing all my cues with his publicity. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm ignoring my publicity, and I was like, you know what? Forget this. I'm stealing cubes from you. Why'd you do that? Too little too late for you, though. So I won that one. So yeah, Burger Joint. Um, better better filler games out there, I think, for mm-hmm. two. Uh, it's it's a decent game, but again, overstated is welcome, I think, a little much. Yes. So that's that's all we've been playing that's new. Pretty pretty good size list again this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking all about Pandemic Legacy. So stay tuned. All right, welcome back. So, like I mentioned at the top of the show, Emily was adamant, adamant that we sit down and get through the rest of Pandemic we Legacy. We were so close to the end. Come on now. Well, we'd had it since October when it came out, and we played it a lot the first month. Um, and then sporadically thereafter. Right, and then I think we made a, a concentrated charge to get it down. So, real quick, um, we will get into spoilers in a little bit. What I wanted to do first, because just in case you're listening to the show and you haven't played Pandemic Legacy, but you tuned in to see maybe how it would be for two players, um, we'll talk about some spoiler-free stuff for the beginning of the game, um, as far as just how, you know, generally how the game plays, and whether or not we recommend the two-player version of this game. Um, cause we do have some thoughts on that for sure. And then after that, we'll give you a big warning, um, to turn the podcast off for spoilers and, and then we'll talk about some of the stuff that happened during the game. Cause a lot of stuff happened and we, we want to talk about it. We so. about lost our minds. I'm going to tell you what, <laughs> right. I'm sure a bunch of you listening that already have played through the game. So you will I'm feel sure our pain. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure you can relate and, and maybe oh, yeah. like relive stuff. So first of all, Pandemic Legacy, very briefly, um, I'm going to assume if you're listening that you know of Pandemic. Um, <laughs> if not, then please go watch like a 10 minute review on Pandemic uh, because I don't really feel like digging into that too deeply. But basically, you're going around. There's many different viruses that are affecting the world. Um, you each have a, you pick a character class that has special abilities and you run around the world treating the virus, eventually finding a cure for it and winning the game. If you can cure all four diseases, well, in pandemic legacy, they take that basic theme and add the legacy stuff to it. And the legacy game is a game that basically has a campaign to it. And during the game, you're actually going to make changes to the game that are permanent, that are permanent, that change the way the game plays. Um, and in so if, Risk Legacy was the first game to do this. Um, Pandemic Legacy was the next one. This is from a guy, a gentleman named Rob Daviel, um, who designed it with Mac Leacock, who designed Pandemic. Um, and that is basically how the game plays. So you're, you're actually, as you go through the game, you're going to be destroying cards that you have. You're going to be changing cities on the map. You're going to be, you know, you know, modifying the game components in certain ways and it's a very cool unique feel to the game because your game of pandemic legacy is not is going to be very slightly different than everyone else's game of pandemic legacy 
And there's a narrative story that goes on through the game as well, which is kind of nifty. So let's talk about how this was with two players. Um, and again, this will be spoiler-free, this this particular part of it. So I, I remember when we first started playing, so the game takes place over 12 months, and each month is a mission, basically. And, and you, you get two cracks at it, right. so you could play up to 24 games of this. Correct, or as few as 12. Right. If you if you win the first time you play, you move on the next month. If you lose, you have to play the month over again. And if you lose it a second time, you move on from there with possible penalties or, or lack of bonuses, essentially, right. that you get from winning. So I'm going to say through the first six months of the game, it was very easy. I was actually nervous to recommend this for two because, yes, like you said, it was super easy. Um, we were having a really easy time. I think we went like six and three for the through the first six months, mm-hmm. um, and we were we were cruising basically. Then we hit July, right? And then things things ramped up considerably after that to the point where I think July was the last month that we only had to play once. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure August through December we had to we played both sides of the month every single time. I'd have to check the book. I don't remember. Well, I, I remember that we played we played 19 games in total, and mm-hmm. we went nine and ten. We only won nine games. We lost ten of them. <laughs> um, so that's pretty bad, right? So it's it, it was kind of so I was surprised that the difficulty cranked up as much as it did, um, and we'll talk about why that is in a little bit. Um, there are negative character elements that you can get. And by the way, anything I'm talking about now, you can read in the rulebook when you first pick up the game. So this isn't really spoiling anything. Um, if you, you can pick up negative character traits called scars um, mm-hmm. in the game, which hamper your characters. I did feel like that those were fairly easy to dance around with two players. Yeah. I don't know if it would be any I mean, less easy with a, four. We did have a few that took them, but I mean, we made sure that it was. Well, I, I, I think with, with well the problem is with two players you have less time that you have to stand in one city mm-hmm. in between your turns basically whereas with four players you're going to go and then three other people are going to go while your character is going to be stuck in that one city for basically three more rounds so if an outbreak happens in the city you're you know you're kind of screwed oh, in I that didn't aspect. Even think about that but yeah. yeah you're right yeah so it's so it's a lot easier to dance around the map with two players so we didn't like you can actually lose you can actually a character can die if they take too many scars right and that didn't happen to us a single time throughout the campaign yeah um and then obviously some characters i'd imagine that some characters are overpowered at no matter what player count but they were especially easy with two players mm-hmm. um so the one that we used the most easily was the scientist charlie yep that we named That's her. That's what we named her. Because um, you get to name the characters. I love that. Well, and, and because part of the thing that you have to do is cure the diseases. And the scientist takes one less card to cure the diseases. So, I mean, it was a no-brainer to have her in. Especially, again, since you get to play more turns in a two-player game than you do in a three- or four-player game. She mm-hmm. has more opportunity to draw those cards mm-hmm. and get the ones that she needs in order to, to, to do what you got to do. Whereas some characters, like the Dispatcher, for example was completely useless to us because mm-hmm. he, he he lets people move around the board a little bit easier. In and a four-player game, that oh, would probably be great. I would think he's probably automatic in a four-player game. Yeah. But in a two-player game, not so much. But, I do love on his card it says, please ask permission before moving someone else's mm-hmm. pawn. <laughs> so, but we had a good time with it. Um, it. It's a great game if you're a couple to play because, again, you're it's it's a game designed to be played with the same group 
every single time. So mm-hmm. it'll give you a fun experience to go through. We're together. always looking for a good co-op game. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of cutthroaty stuff with one another because we like to do that. But it's nice to be in it together. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, like it's, it's so Legacy is a little bit pricier than your average game, but the experience that we got from it was unlike any other game. I'm a little sad that it's done. Well, in a year and a half, there'll be another one, and we can play that one then. But it, it's just a cool experience. And, and again, it's you know we played it 19 times. I can count on two hands out of the you know how many games are in our collection, like 250, 300 games that we have. Mm-hmm. The amount of games that have gotten that much play, like it's there's not many, and especially in in a six month time period, no less. Mdo's right there to be played nineteen times, but but I mean like that, but again that's one game that we yeah. can say that about. You can't say that about any. That's other, the only one I can really think of. Yeah, any other game, Viva Java Dice maybe would be in that in that ballpark as well. Mm, Carcassonne when we first got mm-hmm. it, and Ascension because that was the only ones mm-hmm. we had. <laughs> no, but if, so so the two player. If you want the spoiler free two player review of the game, if you want a good cooperative game with a fun narrative that yeah it has a shelf life, but you know what you're gonna get. 20 to 24 hours of gameplay in that shelf life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you buy a video game that lasts half that time that costs 60 bucks. Like there's no, you know, no brainer there. And it's, and it's fun. Like we had a good time with the different surprises that would come up reacting to those and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and seeing what was around the corner and that sort of thing. So good game with great game with two. Um, it, it was our game of the year choice last year. Mm-hmm. Um, for 2015. So, I mean, we're, of course, going to recommend it highly. I don't <laughs> think that's going to be a surprise. Um, but, yeah, definitely check it out if you are. And, and the cool thing about it, too, is that I don't think your gamer skill has to be too high to play it because it's still pandemic at the end of the game. Yeah, they throw some some monkey wrenches at you. But, yeah, just make sure if you do play this, make sure you're playing with the same people. Well, I think you have to. I don't. I, I don't think There's you can no way just you bring can get, someone in you can't halfway just, through. Yeah, this. you can't just bring. You know, you can't say, "Oh, I'm going to play this with so and so, and next time I'll play it with." No, you have to have the same people every time. Yeah, it's it's, it's equivalent to walking in like halfway through an elaborate story and not hearing the first half of it, not not understanding what really, not it, having a true understanding like, of what's going on. Yeah, you just like walking in halfway through a movie or something. So, so, but yes, yeah, so that's that's it. All right, so now if you if you've not played Pandemic Legacy and you plan to turn it off, hit the pause button. Come back to it when you're done and, you know, revel in all the spoilers with us as we go. Um, if you have played it or if you just don't care, if you know you're not going to play it, but you just want to hear about what happens in Pandemic Legacy, then here you go. So I, f- I feel like that was ample enough warning yeah. for the game, um, for the spoilers at least. Yeah. So that was, uh, Pandemic Legacy is quite a bit of fun. Uh, and, and, a lot, and a lot of things happen that I... Wasn't surprised happened, but wasn't expecting to happen in this game either, I would say. Really? Throughout the campaign. Well, I mean, it's so it, it makes sense that they would go with like the zombie outbreak kind of thing. Right. Or zombie-ish outbreak, zombie light outbreak, whatever you want to call it. The faded pop-up. Right. And it would also make sense that that zombie outbreak would be part of a vast government conspiracy. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or shadow group that's going on. Like, that's that's a trope that's been used before. It didn't make it any less fun to watch it play out on right. on the game board. Um, Our, um, we actually had, because, you know, the code of virus is whatever city you happen to be in when the card comes out, <laughs> you know, that's that's ground zero. Ours happened to be black. So our all our black cities were the faded cities. I didn't stay that way. 
Oh yeah. Well, but, we, we kept it contained we for did, quite until, a while. Well, it's like we said, until we got the July. Yeah, July. And then shit started hitting all the hell oh, broke shoot, loose. Started hitting the all fan. hell broke loose. And then next thing I know, I mean, the further we get in, the more faded cities we have. I'm like, oh my god. We had a couple of times where we lost because we didn't have enough faded figures. I mean, that I, honestly, when we lost, that was usually the cause of it. It was either that or too many outbreaks mm-hmm. happening. Um, and yeah, so by, so basically by the time we got to November, when you start getting the supplies to clean up the faded virus, um, you didn't want to go to Europe in our game. You didn't want to go to Asia. We had, there was literally (laughs) one city. I think it was Osaka was Mm -hmm. the only city that was was not faded. That was still red. There was only one. It's terrible. You didn't want to go to the Middle East. Middle East was, was, was stay away from there. Screwed. Africa started to get pretty bad towards the end there. Yeah. No, yep. Every city in Africa was faded. I thought Lagos we kept no, not faded. Every okay. single city, Khartoum, all that. And then um, it started to spread over to... Um, to South America. Yeah. Yeah. We have one... We did have one fade New, in New North York America. In, oh, no. And from the from the West Coast, too, because San Francisco and L.A. Oh, yeah, both got it. That. And Chicago got it, too, later Gosh. on. See? Look, I forgot. I mean, yeah. I think... What was it? Like, we counted 32 faded cities that we, we had, had on the board? Yeah, we had 32... And then during December, we had two more. We had pop two up, yeah. more pop up because of unfortunate circumstances. Right. So the so with as far as the surprises go, um, I I really liked how the game as the game unfolded, it punished you later in the game for making optimal choices earlier in the game. I loved that. Like, and I loved how how forward thinking the design process had to be when those two guys did this and i can't imagine what how how they could have play tested this and how and how play testing worked for this game i, I don't yeah. know how you would begin to play test something like this it's crazy because like you said everybody's going to have i mean a lot of the elements are the same but it's going to be still a different slightly mm-hmm. different experience from person to person but like it, it made me happy how like so through the game you know, you had the objective card throughout most of the summer months where it's like, hey, if you have six military bases on the board, then you complete objective. So, of course, you're like, well, let's put throw down all these starting military bases so that we can just complete that objective as soon as the game starts. And you think you're so clever and you think you're so, so figuring out the game. And then come to find out one yeah. of your ranks is a turncoat. Yeah. And all of a sudden now the military is actually working against you. And oh, by the way, all those military bases that you established. Yeah. Now you need to blow them up because they're going to hamper your ability to mm-hmm. do your job as you go along. Like like that part was really funny. And clever how they how they did that. Um, what else, what other fun stuff did they do that was like that like gotcha moments that hit you that hit you later on? Oh, I'm trying to think. I mean, with with the- every time they mutated the stupid virus, mm-hmm. you know, because it was like, oh, okay, well, this isn't so bad, and then it's like, oh, wait, now you can't do this. Mm-hmm. Now you can't do this. I'm like, are you kidding me? Can this get any worse? <laughs> yeah, no, that, and and it was, and that that was the hardest part, like. From the, from the first game when Coda gets established and you have and basically you have a color that you can't do anything about and it becomes a problem immediately that for the whole rest of the game you can't solve that problem you you have to manage you can just the manage problem it. right you ha- you have to manage it as best you can using the tools that you have and like with us when we were playing like we never wanted to go 
to the Middle East because we were like, well, we can't do anything in there. So we might as well just, you know, but then we had to, you know, as the quarantine action became available, we're like, all right, well, we'll throw the quarantine specialist out so she can remotely quarantine some of those areas mm-hmm. to keep them from getting bad. And then as it just kept spreading and spreading and spreading, like you had this like the Sisyphus feeling where you're pushing that boulder and mm-hmm. you just can't like you're like, oh, my God. And like the whole like through up until November. When you know that when the when the um, immunization factories became available, I'm just sitting there like, how are we ever gonna be able to win another game of this? It's like because oh, there's yeah. too many figures, like, there's we, too many cities that we were we had three losses in a row. We were one loss away from having to open the dummy box. <laughs> Which, by the way, was a little underwhelming. We, we, I was we didn't, very upset. Yeah, we never it had sh- to open it. But we opened it anyway when we were done because I was like, I have to know what's in that box. <laughs> yeah, a little, little underwhelming. With I mean, I, I figured there wouldn't be like some Hammer of Dawn type of thing in there, but... You know, and had you still I thought had it to, would be a little better than what it was. It, I, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. But yeah, I, so, I was so, a little underwhelmed. Um, the narrative, I think, was done very well, and again, just how everything flowed into one another. Um, oh, you want to know the 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 moments that got me? Some of the like every time we had to do a search and we had to find a certain person, like I would get so anxious, like oh my god, like every time we had an outbreak and it would move up a space, I'm like mm. oh my god, we're gonna lose him, we're gonna lose him. <laughs> mm. My anxiety level was through the roof. We'll see. And now, and actually, that's one thing that kind of bugged me about the game. So they, so yeah, once, like Emily mentioned, when you, of course, when you get to August, September, you start having the. The search parties that you have to go on to find certain people to track them down to help you build the virus. And and it was a fine diversion. Like, it's another objective that you can complete for the and game. And see, and that's the thing. Like, we thought, oh, God, this is so important. So we're, like, really making sure we get it done. And well, I mean, and it was. Because with certain ones of them, once you found them, you got to get more you know, ability cards and you got to get different things to help you. And obviously the sooner you get those, the better. What I didn't like though, is that when you get to the end of October anyway, it's like, Oh, well, even if you didn't find all these people, well, here's, here's the, you know, this magical, you know, Delta team comes down and helps you and gives you all the stuff that they would have given you anyway. Yeah. Essentially. So I didn't, I didn't like that part of it. I felt like there should have been more consequence Mm -hmm. for not, you know, finding all the, except for, you know, a 200 point deduction, to your score at the end of the game, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I, and that was, I'm, as cool as the narrative was, I think that's the only thing that I would gripe about, is it didn't feel like once all the dust settled and we were done playing, I didn't feel like that any of the things that happened had real consequences on the game. Like, they might have been minor inconveniences, but mm-hmm. I, I was expecting not finding one of these search people to have, like, drastic negative impacts right. on the game. And... It didn't do that, you know what I mean. It mm-hmm. kind of, it kind of steered you towards, like like the ending was. Hey, like it's it's going to be a probably eventually a happy ending, but it's just how happy is your ending depending on how well you did right during the game. And and December I think <clears throat> fell in line with that as well. December didn't feel like much of a challenge. It felt like more like a victory lap. Yeah, like we actually sat down and talked about it and we planned out our plan of attack. Oh, we knew knowing in we were going to play two games. We went into it knowing mm-hmm. we're going to have to play two games to win this. It's mm-hmm. just how much can we get accomplished in, in the first game yeah. before we lose. 
right. which we did, and then and with that one. But again, I it, I never felt in peril in December. Like I was no. ex- I was expecting like you know this you know teetering balance between winning I mean, and losing. Christ's sakes, we had how many yellow cubes on the board, and we had ye- a yellow outbreak happen. We're like, oh, whatever. <laughs> right, and but that's the thing though, because like December got so easy just because as you going as you're going around vaccinating these cities. They were dead cards in the deck, And they basically. became a non-issue, and it right. made it a lot easier. Made it a lot easier to go, and and there weren't... And the fact that you didn't still have to cure the diseases, like, the fact that they got rid of those objectives, and just like, no, just search and find the stash, and then and cure, and, you know, immunize these cities, made it super easy. Like, now November was great. Like, November was tense. I remember we had that stand-up card flip at the end when we were, you know, at the very end of the month of November, like, oh my god, if we if we draw a bad card, we're gonna lose, but if we can just make it one more turn, He's we like, can win. if we can make it through your and make it through your turn, we're good. And I was like, well, don't draw an epidemic card. So he draws his two cards, he flips over the first one, then he, like, grabs the second one, he's, like, dramatically dragging it across the table, he wouldn't mm-hmm. even look at it, and he pulls it up, and he gives me this face, and my stomach drops, and he mm-hmm. goes, just kidding! I was like, oh my god, you suck. So, but I mean, so, and so, yeah, so the way the game ended, and, and look, I, I get that endings are a tough thing to do. Um, it's in any media, like it happens in video games, it happens in film, TV shows, whatever. But I, I did feel like December was, there, there wasn't anything at stake, really. We were just kind of going through the motions. I until we Until that. we won. Like, that's, that's what happened there. So any, anything else around the, the surprises that, uh, that you liked a lot or um, disliked a lot? Well, like I said, like you said, December felt more like a victory lap. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping that, like, when we got to the end of November, they were going to, like, 11th hour throw some other curveball out there saying, oh, hey, by the way, this is going to happen. I was expecting that, too, I was I really think, yeah. hoping for that, and I was a little disappointed that there wasn't something. Now, I love the fact that they actually took one of your characters that you had and had him, like, turncoat on you. I thought that part was really neat that was cool. as well, and I'm and I'm glad that the one that turned on us was a guy that we actually did use, and it's it's funny because the guy that turned on us was the operations expert, mm-hmm. so he was the guy that was helping us set up the military bases because he could do that really that was easily. Xavier, yeah. So he was, and so when he was the one that turned, it it just like kind of like, it actually made sense because he was the one that helped build yeah. that network of things basically. Um, and, and then he was, oh, and I love it because I forget who was that? Was it the paranoid soldier that we searched for? Mm -hmm. And I loved it because when we actually, when we found him and we got the documents from him, like on the little document cards, things were redacted and everything. I thought that was very cool. That kind of, the the flavor in the game was was what kept it it going for sure. And like the, the card had the emails on it and like, I'm like, I'm reading the emails, I'm reading them out loud. And then I stopped reading Brad's like, what? And I'm like. These SOBs. <laughs> I was like, I'm so mad. It was good. I mean, it is, but it's fun how how that whole thing unfolded. Um, oh, and then when you get to December, it's like, okay, you have to blow up the secret stockpile because you, they're like, ha, ha, ha. You guys think you're going to fix this. Well, guess what? We have a stockpile that's even more mutated than what we have out there right now. So, mm. you know, I was like, oh, guess what? You guys are going to get it. What did that remind me of? I'm trying to think. There's a video game where oh, it, it was like it was we just been playing Diablo, like so yeah. like Diablo taunts you and during and when you get to the end of that game and it's like oh, there's no way you're gonna beat this guy and then you wait before it's like well you may have beaten him but there's no way that you're gonna be able to get through this next challenge that I have for you and he mm-hmm. just and it, it kind of reminded me of that where the mission cards were just like the 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 government taunting you essentially as you go. Um, I I get why they did it. 
I didn't care for the scoring system at the end. Yeah. I I really did feel like it was going to come down to either you win or you don't win. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I wasn't I wasn't expecting there to be like, oh, a everyone's going to kind of win, and then just it's how well you did. And we fell right game. in the middle of the pack. We did, which I, I feel like probably most people that played probably. Yeah. probably I don't know how range. the hell you would oh, get like that, in that upper points? tier. Yeah, There's no, no way. I have no idea. There is no way. I mean, because I think you'd have to get real lucky on card draws and everything else. Because we had what only ten cities on the board that didn't make it past level one. I think something like that. Like every like everything else was two or worse, and we had you know four like three or four cities that had fallen, and a couple that were on we their had, way. We had two that were completely fallen. I know of. Yep. One of them we nuked off the board. Oh yeah. Oh, which one is Istanbul? Istanbul wasn't it? Which turned out to bite Ist- us in the well, ass later. Istanbul was our ground zero. Right. That was the one when when we flipped the card and it's like, oh wait, here's what happened. Istanbul was our ground zero, mm-hmm. and so we ended up nuking it in one of the earlier months because we're like, oh okay, right. and which then killed us later because we yeah, had to get in it's there. Like, oh, we have to get in there, and it's like it cost you two cards of this color to get in there. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my god. Yep. So, but I, I I did appreciate how like during the game you'd get the new funding cards and you'd get the new characters and I did appreciate like all the upgrades that mm-hmm. they have like where you can attach them to your oh, cards like the, stick- like the, the stickers and stuff like that the, yeah this that and the other yeah oh yeah I mean I mean geez I think I probably more than half the cards in the in the draw deck had, had some sort of upgrade on them, yeah, on them. Yeah, yeah. yeah and we were putting them all on the black cards because we weren't using them to treat anything so we were yeah. just loading them up and. And doing them that way, I, and I felt like that worked pretty well for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I said, the difficulty spike halfway through caught me off guard. Um, I really was kind of... I was happy that, you know, it, oh, it, became, it a became a yeah. challenge. So, but yeah, so, I mean, I, very cool. I would be... It really bums me out that we're not going to be able to play Seafall, at least for a while. Because I'm curious to see when what's going to happen in a game like that when they're not... I don't want to say shackled, but I mean, there's a lot of obvious tropes in the story that come with, you know, like like disease outbreak kind of deal that you can draw back and make it similar to a lot of other things that do that. Um, so I'm curious to see, like, like Seafall is a completely original game from Rob Davio. I, I'd be excited to see how the story goes in that one. Because mm-hmm. this one was, like I said, though it was still pleasantly surprising, it was a little bit predictable. You know, it didn't like catch me completely off guard, but the, the stuff that did catch me off guard was like your guy turning on you mm-hmm. and, you know, finding out that, oh, look, you were actually helping them the entire time. Oh, yeah, that, that <laughs> pissed me off. I was like, I was so mad. And it's like, oh, by the way, you think you've been helping. You're the one that's been spreading it. Really? Well, it's, see, and you never played Metal Gear Solid, but. You, the listener, if you've played Metal Gear Solid, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because there's a scene, there's a part in that game where you have someone on the radio talking to you that's like, oh, like you have to get these three key cards and upload them into the thing. And you'll disable Metal Gear from being able to be activated and save the day. And getting these key cards is a pain in the butt. Like you have to like traipse back through half of the half of the facility to get certain ones and then rush back and put them in. And then as soon as you put the last one in... Like, it's like, all right, Metal Gear's activated now. And you're like, what the hell? <laughs> and then the guy that was talking to you turned out to be the main bad guy in disguise, basically. And he tricked you into doing all that stuff for him because he couldn't. Nice. Yeah, it felt exactly like that, basically. Nice. I remember, oh, man, I remember when I was playing Metal Gear, like, when that happened, I, I couldn't believe 
that <laughs> that that they got you like that. Mm. And this was a similar thing where it's like, hey, thanks for setting up all those military bases and all these roadblocks and all this stuff because uh, now we're going to screw you with it because <laughs> you've been help pulling the strings the entire time. Thanks. See you later, guys. So that part that part was cool and I and I I did like that quite a bit. I like that twist. Um Oh, and I loved end. how that the main base was in the CDC in Atlanta. Oh, well, and it's like that in a regular pandemic too. That's loved where your starting it. research station goes. No, 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 I'm saying that's where all the Oh, where all the where all the cash stuff was, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So very cool. So season 2, um they've already said they're going to make one. It's going to come out in 2017. Um is this is in, is this insta buy for us? Yes. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. So, do you think by the time that because I because I I will say that if season two was available right now, I wouldn't want to get it because I wouldn't want to do the same I, thing yeah, over again. Yeah, I can't again. do it right away. No. Right, but uh, I'll here I'll liken it in in Brad terms. Okay, Brad likes the Assassin's Creed series, but. He said needs the same a, thing to somebody. He needs yeah. a break. <laughs> so he doesn't play every Assassin's Creed game. I want, because an, extended, keep, because, I want an extended break right because now. Because they keep pumping them out too quickly. But this is perfect. He said it's coming out sometime in 2017. Mm. So that'll give us, you know, a, a, at least a year. So it's just like you with your Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> I mean, I haven't played Assassin's Creed for a long time now. Yes, I know. But no, so I, I'm happy to have that break because I wouldn't want to okay do it again. But it's okay because you have Micah and he plays them all right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, but I wouldn't want to do this again. Um, I couldn't imagine. Like, there's some people out there that I know are playing it. Th- like, they're playing through it again with another group. I can't imagine that because it's not it's not varied enough. After you've played it once, I mean, that kind of takes the fun out of it. Right. And, and it would be one thing with this one if there's stuff that you didn't see as you went through the game. Like, there's a lot of stuff where yeah, it's option A or option B. Yeah, but you're going to see everything. It's just a matter right. of... Which one of yours, I mean, which color is your code of virus going to be, basically? Mm. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. Well, and that's, and that's the thing, too, that I think differs with something like Seafall. Is I, I, and, I'm, and I'm just shooting from the hip and speculating, but I'm pretty sure with Seafall that there's going to be stuff that when you play through it one time that you might not get to experience in mm-hmm. the game. But that is not the way with Pandemic. Like, Pandemic, the same envelopes are going to be open Around the same time, for the most part, like there might be some variances in exactly when it happens, but you're going to get all the, you're going to see all the same things. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't imagine playing through it again with another group. Oh, and Brad reveled in the fact that like you have to destroy cards in this game, mm-hmm. and I really oh, we've, well, we've talked about that the very the first time that we had to destroy one. He hands it to me and says, "You do it," because he knew I just it goes against every fiber of my being to destroy anything, and he's like, "Nope, you have to do it." And I sat there. I had the most pathetic look on my face, according to him, as I slowly ripped this card apart. And then I mm. threw it away from me, and I felt dirty after I did it. Yeah, fast forward to August. I'm like, we don't need these anymore. Okay, rip, rip, rip. Yep. Just, just throw them off the side. You got over that real quick, didn't I you? I did. <laughs> I did. So but we really enjoyed the experience. Um, it was... Because I I had already had a had an interest to play Risk Legacy, but obviously you need three people. So and you hate Risk, so there's no way in hell that's going to happen. Again, three and a half hours. The one time that we played Risk, and I was done. Yeah, that's it. No. I don't. I'm not saying I blame you. I'm just saying that I I've always wanted to play it because it sounded really cool. But I'm so I'm glad that they they came out with one that worked the two players. I'd like to see more. Um, I know there's a. 
I don't know if it's dungeon crawling or what, but there's a similar style game called Gloomhaven that's coming out soon Mm -hmm. that looks like it has some legacy elements that may look into to see if that's something. Obviously, season two is on the horizon. Um, Maybe when... Yeah, I definitely need a break. Yeah, maybe in eight to ten years when our son's old enough, we'll play Seafall. But but now we can play Pandemic the Cure again. I know. That's the one thing I did miss when we were playing because we didn't want to play Pandemic the Cure the whole time we've had this because it's still pandemic and we didn't want to overload on that. Right. So, but now we can play that, which I like a lot. I, I, I actually prefer pandemic, the cure to standard pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and that was the other thing. So we finished, um, Sunday night was when we finished up. And as we're packing up the box and everything, I'm looking at all the pieces and I was like, well, and I ran, I ran and grabbed our regular copy of pandemic. And mm-hmm. I was like, let's upgrade all our bits. And he's mm-hmm. like, Okay. And then I think we took um we took the cubes and put them in trains and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So because that yeah. was way cooler, we thought. I was like, well, I said, why not? <laughs> it's good times, so, and, and I, I'm glad we were able to repurpose. Yeah, those cubes to do that because I mean we're not going to do anything with the components, obviously. So yeah, right. like I said, we upgraded the wood bits in pandemic, not, and, and I mean went from there. I don't know what to do with it now. I guess it's going to have to get relegated to the basement. I guess so. Yeah, that, that is one thing we weren't sure. Like I thought about maybe framing the board. I was like, oh, I don't really need to do that. And then you know, it's I I I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not sure exactly. What to do? What to do? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's uh, it's it's a cool thing, but I mean, it's cool having the board that you know looks ridiculous we'll and just destroyed. Put a shelf up on the wall and sit it up on the shelf. That board didn't stay open very well. I can't imagine that would work. We'd no, have to the box. It. Oh, the box sit up on there. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so good times. <laughs> um, was a great experience. I'm glad we got to do it. And yeah, we look forward to season two. Um, when that happens, but I look forward to talking to my best friend and her husband about it because we got them the last time they were up here. Mm-hmm. They actually went to our local game store and bought it and oh, started playing it. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No, I know. Oh, I didn't know that they had it. I'm sorry. How far are they through? Do you know? Um, I don't know. I'll have to talk to her and see how far they are. But yeah, I'm. I look forward to talking to them and seeing how they're enjoying it as they are also playing two player. Mm-hmm. And and you know what you know, listener out there, if you if you've played through it, let us know what some of your favorite moments were, and yeah. uh, we'd be curious to know because honestly, there's a lot of stuff I don't remember that well either, just because we spread it out over such a long six months period of time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I will say too, just as a final point of summation, I can't believe I forgot to mention this earlier. While it was cool that the rule book was laid out the way it was, where you got to add rules to it as you went along, I think that it was a little poorly written in terms of how it described how some of the effects in the game work. Cause we had a lot of confusion sometimes when they added in some of those new mechanics in terms of exactly how, how they worked. Cause he would read a, he would read a rule one way. I'm like, well, that's not how I see it. Right. And that, I think that's the problem is I think it was a little too open to interpretation. And in the rule book, they say, Hey, if you make a minor mistake or something like that, it's not a big deal. Cause in the grand scheme of things, it isn't. And it's kind of cool that like, you're, you know, the fact that you have that unique experience makes it that way. But I would like more like I had to go on BGG a few too many times for my liking um, to get clarification on certain things that happened during the game. So the rule book was not the greatest. Um, I would like that. I, I do hope that with the next version of the game, that that's something that's addressed um, a little bit more in terms of maybe describing just how certain actions work with more clarity. Um, but other than that, uh it was fine, and I and I liked how they added stuff to it as you went along mm-hmm. through the game. 
So that's it. Um, that's all about Pandemic Legacy. Hope hope that those of you that did stick around to listen to the whole thing enjoyed uh, that trip down memory lane. Or and, uh, and I hope that you were commiserating along with us. Right, right. <laughs> that's there's anything that happened. Oh yeah. So good times with that. Um, so that's it for us. Uh, we're going to call it a show. Uh, just a reminder that before we leave that we are affiliated with the Nerdpocalypse Studios network of shows. Make sure to check out all the other great shows in that network, including the flagship show, The Nerdpocalypse, Dense Pixels, Black on Black Cinema, and Mouthful of Toast. Uh, we also have a premium side of things that you can check out. Um, it's only 5 bucks a month, or you can get a whole year for $50. Uh, that gets you weekly episodes of the Area of Grievances, Jay and Micah's uh kind of autobiographical show uh, where they relate their lives through episodes of Seinfeld. Um, you get bi-weekly episodes of the Look Forward podcast, our political show, uh, and you get monthly episodes of our long-form movie review action podcast, No Time to Bleed. Oh, I still have to listen to the last one because wasn't it my favorite? What, Starship Troopers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do need to listen to that. And also once a month, um, our long-form James Bond movie review podcast. The uh, Men with the Golden Tongues. Right, which myself and my, co- and my co-host Micah Which I named. That's right. Uh, we're going to be actually recording the episode for Goldfinger uh, this coming weekend. So look for that uh, in the middle of March if you are a premium subscriber. And we thank you if you are. And again, just a reminder for us to uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Tabletop for Two. We would love if you'd follow us and uh, and chat with us on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is it. So we will uh, see you guys another two weeks. Uh, thanks for listening again. Until then, see you. Bye.